Hello and welcome to My First Five Years podcast. I'm Jenny Johnson. And I'm Alistair Bryce Clegg, and we are early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. The podcast will help you get rid of some of the anxiety that comes along with raising small humans and hopefully help you have much more fun. Yes, because we know there are days when, as parents, we all just feel utterly lost, and that's because no one gives you a parent instruction manual. So what we want to do is hold your hand through it all and help you to get some of that joy back into parenting. Now we've got a very special episode for you today and a very special guest. So Jimmy McLaughlin, OBE, is with us. He's the former Downing Street business advisor and is now the host of the popular podcast, Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. And before you go, hang on a minute, is this the wrong podcast? No, it's not. Because what we're talking about with Jimmy today is very relevant to your baby or toddler. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jenny, do you want to explain? I remember when my kids were really little and I'd watch them and think, I wonder what they're going to be when they grow up. And that the world is just changing so quickly that there's no way of knowing what they might be in the future or even what jobs might exist in the future. Yeah, and your eldest, Jess, is a really good example of that. She really is. I mean, who would have ever looked at the little baby that I was cuddling when she was under five and think that as a 25, 26-year-old, she'd be sat on a beach in you know, Indonesia as a digital nomad, making a living that way yeah. with a laptop on her knee and the very best view in the world. And she loves sending those pictures to me to make and me feel she jealous. she has literally travelled the world as a digital nomad, making a living. Absolutely. And nobody could have predicted that when she was, you know, a baby in arms. So how do you prepare your toddler for a world that you don't even know exists yet? And what are the skills your child is actually going to need? And as parents, how can we help create these great adults of the future? That's a lot of questions. That's a lot of questions. And that is why we thought, I know, let's ask Jimmy McLaughlin. So we're going to be asking Jimmy about what some of the jobs of the future might look like and what skills our children need. Maybe it'll help take some of the anxiety out of the future. Before we get into the details around fostering these skills, though, let's introduce Jimmy and chat about what some of those jobs of the future might look like. Jimmy, first of all, welcome. And tell our listeners briefly about yourself, please. Thanks very much, Jenny. Uh, So my name is Jimmy McLaughlin. Um, I'm a former Downing Street advisor on business and entrepreneurship. I left at the end of 2019 uh, to start a family primarily. Congratulations. um, Then obviously, thank you. Uh, Then the pandemic happened at the start of 2020. So my my wife went back to work because she's in the NHS and I became a kind of stay-at-home dad and so had very much gone from kind of Downing Street to diapers um <laughs> there's there's a title of a book if ever there was one. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and during this time we listened to lots of audio because your your listeners will know better than most podcast listeners that w- with a five-month-old there isn't really a lot you can you can do actually so we listened to lots of audio because didn't want to be anywhere near my phone doom scrolling at the time mm-hmm. and so listened to lots of podcasts lots of radio and I thought is there something that I can do to help tackle the unemployment crisis coming up and that's where the idea for the podcast Jimmy's Jobs of the Future came from which is where I interview entrepreneurs about where they see the jobs of tomorrow being created. And it comes back partly from some of the conversations that I used to have in Downing Street because it'd be my job to take the phone call at five to eight yeah, with the announcement that Debenhams is closing and that's going to be 12,000 redundancies. I would go in and tell the PM at the 8 a.m. meeting then she would say, but where are you know, where are all these new jobs coming from? Because we're still at sort of record high employment levels. And I was like, well, it's entrepreneurs that are making three or four jobs a week, but that never gets... 
that never creates news, right? So that's all the sort of different things. And yeah, we're now 100 episodes in and it's um, it's what I spend my life doing. Fantastic. So that, that, that and parenting. <laughs> well, yeah, which is, as we know, a full-time, full-time job. Jimmy, you mentioned that you're a dad. Just tell us a little bit about your family. Yes. So um, we have a three-year-old, a 16-month-old, and we have... Uh, unexpected bump in oh, I had one of those as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So you're going to have three under five. Yeah. Yes, I think it is going to be. I did that. Yeah, um, we are now. My unexpected bump is now nineteen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we had two fairly close together, like you, and then oh. A third came along. I was going to say not quite sure how that yeah. happened, but you know what I mean. It wasn't planned. Yeah, for. yeah. No, well, we, we always wanted three, but we weren't we weren't sort of uh, appreciating quite how uh, how quick it was going to be. Yeah. So um, yeah, we are going to be in the we will be entering into the vortex quite soon. Amazing! I often look at Alistair and his three boys though, and they are very closely yeah. aged together, and they just seem such a close knit tribe. Are. It's lovely to see. I it did is. the opposite. I've got a twenty six, a twenty two, and a twelve year old, so I stretched my three out oh. over a long period. I don't know which is the better. I think they both oh, hard work. I, I tend to find with a kind of just general sleep <laughs> deprivation of having three children that close together, it just you know you don't you hardly notice the third one, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, Until they're about six. I think there's some children. you think, there. where do you come from? So that's going to be nine between the three of us. Yes, that's a, a that's lot of children. children. Yeah, yeah. I know a really good app, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so for anybody that hasn't caught your podcast, I mean, shame on them, but could you break down <laughs> your some of those jobs that we're talking about? These jobs that are that we, even as parents, can't quite imagine what they're going to be. I'm thinking back to... When my boys were little, I mean, some of the things they do now, some of the places they work. If I go back to when I was little, even then, it was a long time ago. ago. Not that long ago, rude. (laughs) Uh, It was more, there were professions that you went in, or even like my parents' generation. You know, there were things you trained for and you did, or you did shorthand typing, or you did plumbing, or or you became a teacher. Whereas now the digital world has opened up this whole universe of possibility. So what sort of things do you talk about on your podcast? And how does that link to you know, new parents who are looking at their under fives and thinking, right, what can I give you that will help you to exist in that market? Well, I think it's very difficult, partly for schools, because the digital world just moves so fast, yeah. right? So, you know, you could have a, you know, a, a module on Instagram marketing and so on in sixth form, mm-hmm. but chances are, by the time they're out in the real world a year later, it would have all shifted on again anyway. So it's it's really hard, I think, on, on that side of things. I think the way that I try and explain it when I'm speaking to parents in particular of people that are trying to help their children in get into the job market right so it tends to be parents kind of in in the 50s perhaps Mm -hmm. is that there is a lot of language used around a lot of language when you look at jobs that you might not realize so one of my favorites of this is examples of this is UI UX designer which is essentially a kind of website developer and making a website look pretty and easy to use and primarily that is done to make people buy products Mm -hmm. so essentially what it is is actually being a shop front layout person so if you think of that kind of traditional sort of role that possibly probably wasn't a full-time job actually in a store necessarily that's it and so a lot of the jobs kind of 
you will be aware of the kind of mechanics of it, but there will just be a whole range of new tools now. And that's the sort of um, scary thing. And I think it's one of the things you talk a lot about on the podcast is sort of the resilience and adaptability being key for children, because you can't know what they're going to be doing in 15 years time. It's impossible to, to do that. But at the end of the day, fundamentally, most jobs in the UK are private sector jobs mm -hmm. and in the private sector you need to be able to create a product for less than it costs you to sell it and you need to be able to get that product in front of people to be able to sell it that isn't going to change we know all about yeah, that yeah. don't we Alistair? we do good basic <laughs> economics exactly right yeah you guys are doing are doing it right who would have who would have thought five years ago that you know using a podcast would be a way to to do that right um so yeah i mean it's so true we've both come from a really traditional background i was running uh, children's nurseries which was very much about the physical presence of people looking after other people's children and you um came from the school sector originally yeah. and now we're creating something totally online that hopefully can have an international impact and it's just a the scale of what we can potentially achieve using tech is so exciting but also a massive learning curve because we've gone from the real world to the to the online world and i think for our parents as well when you've got older children who are more secondary age then you are looking i think for schools that have a curriculum that actually promotes the things that you're talking about because still there are lots of the curriculum in the uk particularly especially for secondary age children that gives them lots of information that they're never going to use in life whereas really what they want is skills that are going to empower them to move into that world but again, really like what you said about, you know, for younger children, it's about giving them and fostering those early skills around things like resilience, around things like curiosity, which often don't come in a textbook. They are the sort of things that come from the kind of experiences that they have, all be those, you know, don't have to be necessarily visiting the British Museum to have those experiences. They can be in the park or fall out of your kitchen cupboard if you know what you're looking for. Totally. Exactly that. And I know we've just said that we can't possibly look ahead and know what the world's going to look like, but Jimmy, you must have um, given this some thought. I mean, what do you think the jobs of the future are going to look like? Well, I think there will be a lot more kind of creativity jobs that are in play. I think that's going to become a bigger and bigger thing. I think the rise of communities will be a big thing as well. And it's really interesting what you guys are building with this and so on, that people We'll look to do that. I think we've only really just begun to scratch the surface of how communities will work kind of in an online world. But also I think, you know, there will be a rise of hobbies and kind of fitness is quite a big area. Like it's amazing when I go for my morning run around the park now, like the amount of classes that are kind of taking place there. I think that's going to be kind of a big growth area that you're going to see. So lots of positive and quite exciting um, jobs being created, I think. It's nice to hear you speak so positively because I thought you were going to go down a whole route of sort of computers are going to rule the world and we're all going to be unemployed. I mean, I guess there are different views about what that future might look like, but I certainly like the idea of the one you're painting there. Are we going to have more leisure time, Jimmy? Well, I think so. I mean, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you sort of, in a way, we've never had as high technological advances as we do now and we've never really had higher employment um so i think there's a there's a bit of a challenge i am pretty optimistic about it that lots of jobs will be created i mean we've touched on it a bit already but social media 10 years ago didn't even you know exist really as a job and and now you know you have 
teams sort of dedicated to just managing a company's Instagram or TikTok or, or whatever. True. And it's yeah. and some of this stuff, I think, it's quite interesting from a parent's point of view because you can be quite sort of like negative about TikTok and uh, Instagram and children spending too much time on it. And I totally understand there is a whole sort of range of concerns there. But, you know, TikTok, for example, is about being able to kind of communicate a message or a funny story in 40 seconds. Yeah, that is actually one of life's important skills. It was a skill that I was taught a lot at school by teachers was how to get that point across and how to get it across quickly. I think we used to call it the elevator pitch, didn't we? Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? The kids would go, what's one of them? <laughs> but they're doing yeah, yeah. it all day, every day, yeah. And it is an elevator pitch yeah. is a long time, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's a massive skill. <laughs> I think also the kind of digital world has allowed us and the pandemic, that idea that lots of people work from home now. And so there are huge benefits to that. And I think our children or the children that we're talking about will grow up in a world where there's a lot more homework. In. But also there mm. are those challenges around the fact that as human beings, we have that need to come together and have that community. So whilst working at home is great because you can do a bit of work, get a wash on, you know, do the things that you need to do, you also miss that interaction. So I think in that kind of future world, when we're preparing children for a world where they might well be working quite isolated from home, there will be a huge need for that community in some way, shape or form, and not just online. I think, as you're saying about like in the park with the fitness groups, that physical community is really important. Yes, and I think that, I mean, it is also a challenge of modern day parenting. I'm very lucky that I get to do a lot of my work from home now, and it means I'm far more present than I ever thought that I would be, potentially. And it's great, but it is very difficult to go from that sort of, you know, running a small business in the loft to taking the 12 steps downstairs to make that mind shift to become a parent. Like it, and it is a very different mm-hmm. yeah. set of skills that are required. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. I'm not sure how that will be, will be solved. I think it will just morph. It's even that thing where you would go into the office and you'd be shattered or you'd have a child who was teething or a child who was, you know, chucking their food on the floor or not doing what they were asked. And you could have a chat around the water cooler or the coffee machine and somebody would offer you some seriously advice and probably some rubbish advice but it was that idea that when you get into the doom scrolling bit or dr google or you know my child warns and you suddenly which is one of the reasons why we started my first five years we wanted to have one true place where parents could know that when i go here i'm going to get accurate science-backed information as opposed to some of the really scary things you read at two in the morning on google when you are stressed to the max because your child will or will not do something that you want them to do Totally, yes. It's a it's a it's a real challenge. So my first five years, we have just started a relationship with Manchester Metropolitan University to integrate AI into our app so that it gets better and better at predicting what is the right information to present to parents at any given time. This whole AI thing, I must admit, having watched Terminator, scares me a little bit. Um, It's one of those films that just feels like it could come true. So, I mean, what are your thoughts about the role of AI and what it might look like in our children's future? So I'm positive about... AI overall, and let's keep it, it is a positive podcast. I think (laughs) that it's one of the areas where it could have the biggest impact is education. And I think actually when you look at our education system, it hasn't really been updated in the best part of a century. Like, Oh, me and Alistair could talk about that for (laughs) for a century. We're so frustrated with the education system. Exactly. And I do think now one of the things that you're seeing is partly the sort of massive proliferation of, of content, right? 
but is that children learn in very different ways. We all learn in very different ways. And I think that it's going to be able to provide that much more easily in terms of different options for them. I also think one of the interesting things is the amount of content that's being created. So I was at the podcast show the other day and was at a an event. Al Murray was doing a, and I hadn't realized that he'd got a podcast. He's got a podcast on World War Two, and it's got six oh, of all things. Of all things. And it's got <laughs> sort of like, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's got almost 600 episodes now. And I just thought, gosh, if you were, you know, studying World War Two, like you could read textbooks or actually you could listen to Al Murray talk about it, which will be Bring funny. it to life. Totally. And I just thought like, gosh, that would be really transformative. And he holds this big kind of conference where they bring lots of things in from World War II. Well, it's more like a festival than a conference, really. It shows my <laughs> corporate leanings there. But um, <laughs> I, And I just thought, gosh, that that you're going to have that for like potentially like every era of history with like leading communicators and experts talking about it and it's going to be so much more fun to learn via that than reading a textbook <laughs> like it's just going to be great that's kind of all the good teachers you remember from school isn't it they're the ones that exactly. really kind of brought it to, brought life. It to life but you're right jimmy it's, we are too focused on knowledge in our current curriculum and actually knowledge is a great thing and we all need knowledge but also what you've got to be is a, a learner is hungry for knowledge and curious for knowledge because what we think is important in our curriculum is not necessarily going to help you to build an app or you know to do those jobs that you're talking about before like ux where you are needing creativity and design you're just trying to you know foster those skills through a more digital world mm -hmm. so i think you're right there is a huge role for ai going forward to really support children in their learning but also we know so much more about neurodivergence now and the fact that you as you said lots of us learn in very different ways i mean even jenny and i working together as we do we have very different styles of we learning. do we do <laughs> uh, but in a school system we would have been put in exactly the same type of delivery in the same type of space and actually it might have suited neither of us or one of us more than the other mm -hmm. So for parents of under fives, it is about that as well, recognising that building those skills around how children learn and trying to really tap into what your child loves to do and not to worry too much about the kind of ABCs, one, two, threes, because we've got a system to support us with that. Mm -hmm. That's where you start to really ignite that fire of like desire. And that's the thing that's going to carry you through. Totally. And you've talked about it before. I think a really lovely phrase is sort of, you know, putting the scaffolding around their kind of yeah. play and, and so on mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, allowing them to to kind of explore within that and, you know, giving them the things to do and, and being just comfortable that things will change with kids. You know, one day they will be interested in certain things and then other days they won't be and just sort of being completely relaxed and aware of yeah. that. And that's okay. And they're messy. You know, they're not yeah. going to keep the sand inside the sand pit. They're not going to keep the water inside the bath. And then you think, oh, well, it's a classic parent thing. We all do. You think, right, I've got it cracked. We were in a phase. You know, I've got it sorted. We've got a routine. And then the following day, it all goes out the window. Or they have a massive passion for worms one day. And you get all the worm books out and you do all the worm. And then the next day, like, no, I'm not into that anymore. I'm now into this. That's because they've eaten them all. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you had kids like ours, yeah, chopped them in half. But that's, yeah, that's the joy of parenting. One of the things I reflect on on doing the podcast is that, you know, it's very difficult to sort of recognize your own skills. Like, and yes. that's, you know, it, it just really is difficult because you just, and you assume because you're good at something that that 
perhaps isn't that valuable because you find it easy. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas actually other people can find that sort of quite difficult and so on. So I think it's really, um, you know, it's, it's really important for parents to try and sort of do that of kind of like recognising, you know, what their kids are good at and, and what they sort of uh, respond to. Um, and, and yeah, and, and not to not to worry about it too much. I think also you assume that your kids will be good at what you're... So I married somebody mm. who was really creative, really artistic, musical. I was musical. My parents are musical. Her mum's musical. We thought our kids were going to definitely be... We're going to have a family band. We're not going to have traps. We're going to tour the country. My boys not remotely interested in picking up anything. They did the recorder at school and hated it. They did the ukulele for about 30 seconds and hated it. So I've got three kids that love music, but my dream of being the Von Trapps, I lost fairly early on. I'm still quite devastated about it. But I think for parents, it's that idea that your children might be very different from you and that's yeah. okay. But that did come as quite a surprise. I've heard you singing in the office. I think you're one of these <laughs> ex-factor guests that comes on and has can't sing but thinks they can. Um, I sang in church choir all my life. I sang in a church choir, but they were desperate. So we touched on um, the importance of mental well-being earlier in our conversation here, and mental resilience. And it sounds like the jobs of the future might be a little bit sedentary, maybe. Some of them possibly quite isolated if people are going to be working from home or as my daughter working on a beach, maybe not so isolated. Yeah. Um, but how can we prepare our young children for some of those challenges? Is that something you've given yourself headspace to think about, Jimmy? Yeah, I think yeah, resilience and creativity will be the um, most important things that you know, will be required for the future and they probably already always have to a certain large degree but i think they're going to kind of like expand in importance as well and i think it's um you know it's tough as a parent when you're because you you do if your child is is struggling you sort of want to help uh and it can be quite difficult to sort of stand back and be like no they they you need to sort of watch them kind of like fail at that and that's really hard to sort of like be instinctively against that but it's um you know it's it's just really important and the and the curiosity thing as well i think is what alistair said before in terms of you want to put scaffolding around you know, you need to give them the options of different kind of play and and how to do it and you know they're they're amazingly creative yeah we we push quite a lot of that out through the education system actually out of our kids yeah. as, as they go yeah. it's just yeah. quite important to sort of think, encourage that because i think that's also one of the things that you know there will be a lot more social entrepreneurship in the future i think yeah we talked about activities and clubs earlier yeah it's one of the amazing things about the modern world about how easy it is to do these um things you know set up a whatsapp group you know rent a church hall and do things and i think we're going to see much more of that um in the future mm-hmm. i think you're right and i think failure we've got a culture well we've got a culture and an education culture that failure is a bad thing and when you fail then you've done something wrong and actually failure as we often is often said but it's far more difficult to live that you learn most by when your failures if you can reflect on that so i think Allowing your children to fail is really hard because as a parent, you want them to succeed. You don't want them to fall in any way, shape or form. But actually, when they do, it's about how you unpack that with them as a parent. And that's really early on. Those skills about saying, well, I got it wrong, but it doesn't matter because I learned this, this and this. Those are the things that can massively take them forward. And later on, then they've got those as foundations for when in the workplace, invariably, things won't go right. But that's it, right? Like Particularly with entrepreneurship. 90% of it is about failure. Yeah. 
And failing fast, as we say. Yeah, yeah learning from it quickly. Yeah. yeah. Failing fast. And you've just got to be like constantly sort of shipping out products and, and seeing what works and, and so on and, and what doesn't and looking at the data and, and analyzing that. And I think that's, you know, that is all the stuff that we need to be teaching our kids. And, and we don't, you're right, like culturally, society, you know, it, it's not good to have failed. Whereas actually we need... We need a bit more of that. It's one of the ironies of the, of the phrase that is quite commonly used in politics, which is that all careers end in failure. And it's it's a, a popular phrase because it's true. <laughs> but it's largely because politicians will keep trying and they will, you know, they will keep trying to sort of roll the dice and so on. And in a way, that's, that's admirable. And that's kind of what needs to be sort of encouraged, like more across the board, is you should keep trying and you should keep failing and and that is a very important lesson for life i think and also in a business like ours we want everybody who works with us to literally try things take risks because that's how you learn but also when it goes wrong hold up their hands and say tried that went wrong what did we learn let's move on and i think in a culture where failure is bad people are more inclined to try and hide their failures and that's when it slows everything down so i think you're dead right failing and learning from it is key and that's also where resilience comes from that idea that i got it wrong but actually i've learned from it i've now moved on because mm-hmm. how you make a child resilient and how, resilient and how you make a child creative you can't buy it in a book and it doesn't just come from like a set of paints no. it comes from those small everyday ways that you model how often it's when things don't go right and how you cope with that because when things go right that's easy you know how you feel it's positive those are the things that really make a difference and I think that's also one of the other things just on the entrepreneurship side is it's, and the tech side is that it's so much easier now to create minimal viable products, right? Like very often it used to be, you know, you'd have to put months and, and you know, thousands of pounds into doing these things. Whereas now, you know, you don't, you can almost kind of like design a product and put it on Instagram before you even made it yeah. as well. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty extraordinary how that sort of side of things is changing. As I've been listening to the conversation between the three of us, it's really brought to mind that I set up a business about 20 years ago called Kids Aloud. And at the very beginning of that business, there was no social media. We used to receive telephone calls from customers that may or may not be interested in what we were doing. We'd jot down on a piece of paper their details, and then we'd type up on a standard template a letter. We'd put together a pack with bits of paper in it and pop it in the post that day. And that was the sales process at the beginning of that business. And that wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. That, no. It, it, that was no. within one business. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think about that. And by the end of that business, when I sold it three years ago, all the paper had virtually gone from the business. Yeah. There was no paper. We had social media presence. People expected to instantly get information and be able to book online, lots of self-service. And it's just within that one business, that change. So what on earth is it going to look like for our under fives? <laughs> it's, it's almost incomprehensible. Yeah. It is. And I think you just need to be relaxed about it. But know that all those skills that you talk about there, um, you know, in terms of being able to kind of come up with a product and communicate with customers, et cetera, like all of that's still going to be relevant. It's just going to be done in very different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't think any of us can really know what it's going to what it's going to look like in 15 years time. But those kind of core fundamental skills of resilience, creativity and understanding how things fit together will be 
will be the bedrock of everything. Yeah, I think that's enough of it, isn't it? It's about as parents understanding that, yes, the way we actually communicate those skills might be very different. But being a good communicator, you know, being able to uh, have that resilience, having that creativity, all of those things that still exist now and have always existed are still core. It's the mechanism or the vehicle for how we will use those that will be different. And again, that I remember that. I remember first getting my BlackBerry phone and thinking literally I'd got the most amazing bit of technology in my hand. And now, you know, again, not very long after, my kids are all, you know, everything's technical and digital. And that was quite a difficult learning curve coming from where I'd come from into the technical world. But again, for our children, they're growing up in that. So they haven't got that kind of hump that we all had where we suddenly went from literally, I remember at school, my secretary would type out letters on letterhead, same sort of thing, to like email. And that was a clunky process just to get your head around how all that worked. And our children won't have that. It's a much easier transition. But as well, none of this happens overnight, does it? We don't wake up one day and the world has totally changed, unless, of course, COVID happens, which is a different matter altogether. But I mean, it transitions, doesn't it? Yeah. So I think it's a case of always having your ears open, having your eyes open, looking at what the world's doing and, and sort of... And being a flexible parent, yeah. a parent who fosters creativity and resilience in their parenting, because mm-hmm. that's what's going to pass it on to the children. And actually, I think, you know, it's it's almost being more confident for young people being like, because the world is moving so quick, I will inevitably be a lot more kind of like phrase digital native, you know, adapted to these things will mean they're actually able to offer more early on in the workforce than you could even when you guys started or, or, or when I started, when you were just generally given a lot more kind of rope work to do, you know, actually now I think there's more that, you know, sort of, Generation Z can kind of bring to the table from an employment standpoint straight off the bat. Yeah, genuinely fascinating. Well, I think we'd like to wrap up with our typical five top tips, but I think for a change, Jimmy, we might hand that over to you. Yeah, well, I was I was thinking about it, you know, having listened to the podcast and so on so much. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I think about when it comes to kind of parenting is like not being in a rush. Like if you're not in a rush, like everything is fine um now that is sometimes hard but actually it partly comes to you know just planning and not planning too much i know that's something that's also come up on the podcast there's maybe one and two here but is you know it's it don't need to be you know over planning and whatever and actually i often think about it sometimes now with my oldest of three you know if she's out doing stuff in the morning and the afternoon you know a couple of hours watching a bit of tv and so on you know it's not the worst thing in the world it's exactly what i do in the evening so you know i'm not sure why we should be sort of judging her for for sort of doing it um the other thing that i found quite good this is more of a kind of like um relationship side perhaps but is i found podcasts and going to bed listening to podcasts a sort of real kind of game changer in terms of being able to switch one's brain to do something else and also kind of just relax in bed I think is quite important so I found that a really kind of um appealing side of things and um the other kind of big tip is teaching resilience is is really hard as a parent I think we all know it's so important but kind of being able to sort of stand back um and watch your kid fail is inherently against everything that you um do um and that's that can be very um very tough and i think the fifth one i would say is maybe a dad's thing of like the paternal instinct is 
it's stronger sometimes than you think. And I think sometimes as dads, it, you can sort of end up sort of deferring to the mother in the way that the mother wants to parent, totally understandably, particularly in the first few years. But actually, um, you know, I, th- I think dads can sometimes be better at it for than they give credit for. And to relay a story, an amusing story, from the other day, my dad ended up doing the nursery pickup as a kind of emergency one. And I was fretting and it was taking ages to get home. And I just thought, you know, it's going to be chaos when I get back. Even if they'd made it home, <laughs> it was going to be chaos. And do you know what? It was absolutely fine. Like I got back in late, but they were changed. They were all ready for bed. Um, I mean, they were stuffed to the brim of peanut butter sandwiches. Oh, but, yeah. you know, it was like... It was all fine. And I just think that, you know, I hadn't given him enough credit for like him being able to kind of do it. And so I think that's also one of my kind of big reflections about the paternal instincts being being stronger than sometimes we give credit for. I think they're five fabulous tips. Thanks, Jimmy. Pleasure. Great. Nice to end with a controversial one. <laughs> that wasn't controversial. Well, he basically said men are better than women. That's what no, he, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he said no, he men are better than men give themselves credit no, he for. He actually said, which is very true, men are better than women. <laughs> when they're given the space to flourish. <laughs> when they're given the space you know all about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, can I give you one more? Can I give one more thing? Is that all right? Of course, yeah. I just remembered. So the other one is writing down the funny stuff that your kids do. and oh, what a brilliant of, tip. Some of this gets taught about kind of like being gratuity journaling. And I just sometimes think that sort of like over-professionalizes it a bit. But I have a book and I just occasionally note down things that they've done that are funny mm-hmm. um, because you you forget it. And then a few weeks later, it's just not as funny. I mean, my daughter told me the other day, she said, I haven't got all day, daddy. And like, that was just so funny the <laughs> yeah, first time yeah. she said that. And like writing that down reminds me of it. Um, and I think that's really um, kind of really important to to do. And sort of that being, because it's very easy to write down, I am grateful for having kids, but actually being more specific about it, I think is really, uh, really important. And you think you won't forget, and then you do forget, and then you have three children yeah. close together, and you forget what your name is, <laughs> never mind what your children say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. they were ever funny. Yeah, oh, the first one's classic. <laughs> the first one, you literally have photographs of them just sitting in the bath. And by the time oh, no, I know. I've photographed till he's about eight. So <laughs> it's, you know, but yeah, I think you're right. Writing it down is a lovely way. And also, yeah, when you read it, or somebody else reads it, it doesn't always jump off the page for them, but if it brings you back to that memory that's a really lovely thing. yeah well we're all about finding the joy in parenting and yeah. i think that's such a lovely tip because sometimes it can be tough and to be able to yeah. dig that little book out and go ah yes we do have fun at this sometimes yeah. as well you know yeah 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 exactly exactly <laughs> yeah lovely exactly. tip uh, I think all it leaves us to say is thank you very much, Jimmy. I've loved it. It's been great. I think we could probably talk for about a day, uh, but thanks. You've had some really brilliant insights. And for anybody that hasn't uh, heard Jimmy's podcast, make sure you go and have a listen. Yeah, thanks very much, Jimmy. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I hope people will enjoy Jimmy's jobs of the future. And yeah, what you guys are doing is brilliant. So it's been a real pleasure to be on. So thanks very much for having me. Alistair, having listened to all of that, what was your takeaway as a parent? I think it was really fascinating. And the thing that struck me was when Jimmy said, basically, all the skills the children will need are the same skills they've always needed. So resilience, creativity, creative thinking, flexibility, curiosity. And they've always been those. It's Mm -hmm. just the vehicle that they will use to articulate those skills. That's what's going to change. And those things we can really help our children with, even if we have no knowledge of digital future whatsoever, we can really work on them with those skills. 
So go on then, Alistair, just as a really practical finish, give us some tips on how we can start building flexibility, creativity and curiosity in our naught to five-year-olds. Okay then. So one of the things you can really do as a parent is to have a pause and have a wait and really watch what your child is doing because they're often not doing what you think they're doing. Mm -hmm. So for example, you might see them with some Play-Doh and you'll think they're making birthday cakes when in fact they're really making magical medicine for a mythical dragon. So sometimes just having a pause and a listen to what they're saying can actually help you to support their learning. Also as a parent, I think if we think about what we do as a starting point, rather than giving our child an activity we want them to complete, it helps us have a role. So if you're organising an activity for your child and you know exactly how it's going to turn out before it begins, then that doesn't encourage the creativity and the divergent thinking. So give them some objects, give them some resources, maybe give them a little bit of a hint about what they could do with them, but then sit back and watch. And only really interject if you see your child is getting stuck or they're looking to you for ideas. I mean, we talk about this a lot in my first five years, but giving children things that they can use and play with in a lot of different ways really helps. Mm -hmm. So some toys can only be used for one thing. So a car is a car and a cow is a cow. But then lots of toys and objects can be used for different sorts of things. And I think we'd call those open-ended toys. And then your child can think of lots of different ways to use them. And another good way to help them with that is for you to demonstrate how that works. So you might pick up a shoe or a banana and use it as a phone. You might get the colander from the kitchen and put it on your head as a hat and obviously wash it before you use it. But that shows <laughs> children that you can use objects in lots of different ways. You can give your child lots of time to develop their practical skills. So give them real familiar household objects. And you can buy these days loads of smaller versions of pots and pans and brushes and hoovers and all sorts of things, irons, and let your child observe you doing your everyday domestic chores, but then allow them to act them out in their play. Because not only does it help them to rehearse what they've seen and make sense of the world, but also it gives real value to their play and they're practicing those skills that they see adults using. Is it true, Alastair, that children like to repeat things over and over again, so it's quite a good idea to allow them access to the same thing? Absolutely, and they do. And sometimes this is called schematic play, where children will repeat elements of play. So that could be things like filling things up and emptying them out, or picking things up and dropping them, or transporting things, so moving them from one place to another. There's also schemes around things like enclosing, which is just wrapping things up. So you often find your child will get to an age where everything like bricks or teddies or dolls all get wrapped in various different things. So there's schematic play where children are exploring particular movements, but there's also familiar play which makes them feel good. So mm -hmm. they often will, I mean, you know, we've all had it where they ask for the same story again and again and again. And part of that familiarity just makes them feel secure. So don't get frustrated if your child wants to play the same thing all of the time, because that's also a really important part of their development. Yeah, it just consolidates that learning, I presume. Absolutely. So thanks for listening and do get in touch if you've got any questions for us or if there's something you want us to talk about on this podcast. You can post your questions on our Facebook community or on Instagram and you'll find us at My First Five Years with the five written out. And you can hear more about the ever-changing face of work in Jimmy's podcast, Jimmy's Jobs of the Future. And you can find him on at Jimmy M on Twitter or at Jimmy's Jobs. And if you want more tips around fostering skills like resilience and good mental health and well-being with your children, you can download the My First Five Years app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. And we've also got a great podcast episode on creativity. 
Don't forget, you can get this podcast direct to your feed by pressing the follow button in your Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Next time, we'll be talking about managing the mental load with Zoe Blasky from Motherkind Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.